Amen. Praise the Lord. What a glorious truth. What a great theme. We're turning tonight to Psalm 90. Going to read the psalm together. Psalm 90. We'll read from verse 1. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. For those online, the words will come up on the screen. As you're finding the place, and as the words appear, we want to say to you tonight, especially to all in-house and online, that if you would like a new Bible, a copy of the authorized version, very good quality, we have a few left, and we can distribute them to you. If you know of a friend that needs a Bible, please come and speak to me, and we'll do our best uh, to uh, get you sorted out. Let's hear the word of God together. Psalm 90. Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday. When it is past and is a watch in the night, thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the works of our hands upon us. Yea, the works of our hands, establish thou it. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now, my text tonight is taken from Psalm 90, verse 12. And I want us to think of the theme this evening, Days That Teach. I'm very conscious that this is the 2nd of January, 2022, the first Lord's Day evening of the new year. And this thought came to my mind just a few days ago, days that teach. 
This psalm, remember, was written by Moses. Think of the title, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. That's a sermon all by itself. Moses was the one chosen by the Lord to help deliver and lead the children of Israel from the house of Egyptian bondage. Remember, there were slaves there. They were under the cruel whipmasters. And the Lord used Moses to bring them into the wilderness. They were there in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years later, he brought them to the very edge of the promised land. The majority of Bible-believing commentators believe Moses was led of the Holy Spirit to pen these words as he neared the end of his life and the very edge of the promised land itself. This prayer, of course, is full of inspired truths and precious thoughts for the individual believer as he or she draws near to the Lord and seeks his face in prayer. The prayer commences with a glorious truth. Listen to these words, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. The Lord is a wonderful dwelling place for his people. The Lord is an habitation of safety and security for his redeemed children. The Lord stands like a place of refuge and rest and redemption for them in the day of crisis and change and in the day of trial and trouble. The psalmist here introduces us to the eternality of the Lord. The Lord is the only one that is essentially eternal in himself from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. He's the living and the true God. And now in contrast to who the Lord is in relation to his people, we do discover there's a backdrop here of a people that's subject to change, subject to a life of hardship, a life of difficulty, a life of pressure and problems, a people who are subject to sin. Yes, of course, there'll be days for those redeemed children who enjoy the Lord, who, who bask in his presence, who glory in his power, who experience days that they're strengthened. And yet there's other days when they feel that they will sin against the Lord, days when they will fail him, days when they will forget him, days when they will forsake him. And on such days, we're brought face to face with our own weakness and depravity and mortality. A man by the name of Thomas Carlyle, his father was a, a very poor man, and he used to pray this prayer, Lord, prepare us for death, judgment, and eternity. Now, that's exactly what Moses was praying about in praying the words of verse 12. Listen to these words. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And if I was to ask tonight, what is the true business of life? I would answer again using the words of Thomas Carlyle's father. It's to prepare us for death, judgment, and eternity. In other words, it's to prepare us for the world to come. I'm well aware that some might think, well, this is a very morbid subject in the first Lord's Day evening of a new year. I'm well aware that I could be probably lambasted and mocked and scorned by those that may listen in relation to this message. However, I believe that the man or woman, boy or girl, young person who lives in his or her life in preparation for the world to come, that individual is truly wise. That individual's making a real contribution towards themselves, their own eternal security and well-being, and to their family, and to the community. 
as I thought of these words just after Christmas, I was thinking of the following truths. Think firstly of the reality of a day of limitation. Our theme tonight is days that teach. And here's the reality of a day of limitation. Notice the words, number our days. Now, we'll pause there. Let's ask this question. How did Moses measure time? How did he measure his own lifespan? It wasn't in years. It wasn't in months and weeks. It was in days. He didn't say, teach us to number our years. He says, teach us to number our days. I would think of old Jacob. The days of my years are. And he mentioned that there were few and evil. You see, the emphasis here is in the fact that our days are numbered. The day of our birth is planned by God, ordained by him, instituted and orchestrated by him. So is the day of our death, planned, instituted and orchestrated by him. And in between the day of birth and the day of life is what we call the journey of life or the individual lifespan. And the reality is that our lifespan, no matter how long it is, that is limited. Think of the reality of our day of limitation. It's limited because of the fragility of life. How easily life can be taken. How easily life can be cut down. Think of those in the prime of life. Think of young, healthy men and women this thing. And their world is rocked and shook because of a sudden illness, because of a, a crisis, because of an accident in the car or at work. You see, let's remember, life is fragile. Life is frail and easily broken. And if you ponder the psalm carefully and analyze the prayer, what is time like in the eyes of the Lord? Look at verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it has passed, and as a watch in the night. A thousand years is a long time, young people. A hundred years is a long time. But what's it like in the eyes of the Lord? How does he think of it? How does he measure it? It's like but yesterday. A thousand years is like but one day when it's gone. He says it's like a, a watch in the night. That's nothing to do with a timepiece in your arm. That's a reference to the keeper of the city. There's four watches in the night, three hours each. And the watchkeeper, he was awakened at a certain hour, and he was given three hours of watchful duty. And the psalmist is saying that a thousand years is like a watch in the night to the Lord. It's just like three short hours. Verse 5, thou carriest them away as with a flood. Think of a village. Think of villagers asleep in their bed. Peace and safety. They're planning for the next day. Going to school. Getting up for work. Ladies doing the housework. Going shopping. And then a few hours during the night, the flood came. And they're all gone. And people are asking, where's the village? Where's the villagers? The Bible says they are as asleep. How long do you sleep? Well, most of us uh, have between five and eight hours. We used to say that's for, for normal people, but that might sound insulting to some others who like to sleep longer. But in other words, whether it's five or eight hours, it's a short period. It's brief. Then the psalmist adds this. He says they are as 
grass which groweth up in the morning, it flourisheth and groweth up in the evening, it is cut down and, and withereth. Look at verse 7. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Limited by the fragility of life. Limited by the brevity of life. Look at verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength there be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow for it is soon cut off and we fly away. We're going to sing in closing tonight. Life at best is very brief like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf be in time. There's a man by the name of Barzilla. I asked King David one time, how long have I to live? He never answered him. Do you know why? Because he didn't know. The Bible here talks about three score years and ten. That's 70. And if by reason of strength, they'd be four score years. That's 80. Isn't it amazing how accurate the Bible is? Do you know that in 2020, they were saying that the average lifespan of a UK citizen is approximately what? It's approximately 80 years. It's wonderful that many live up to their age. Wonderful if you get to 70. Wonderful if you get to 80. Some get beyond their age. Some are 84, 88. Some have an amazing lifespan, like my own late mother-in-law at 97. Others that we've known of to 98. Some that we've known of have lived to their 100 and they've got a letter from the Queen and that's been lovely. But no matter how long it is, it's still a short span in comparison to eternity. I was thinking of this word days, you see. This is what struck me. Somebody that lives to 70. Many days have they. They have 25,550 days. Somebody who lives to 80 have 29,200 days. Somebody who lives to 90 have 32,850 days. Imagine having a calendar with all those days on them and you're ticking them off. And young people, if you're 18, you've already been given 6,585 days. Almost a quarter of the lifespan. If you're 36 here tonight or listening to me, you've already been given half of your allotted days. Let's think of those that don't see 70. Think of those children that have been taken early. Think of those young people, young men and women that have been plunged into eternity. Maybe taking a heart attack, kicking football, playing rugby. Others have taken strokes and died. You see, the Bible teaches that our life is swifter than a weaver's shuttle. The Bible actually teaches our life is like a post. Listen to these words in Job chapter 8 and verse 9. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing because our days upon earth are a shadow. In chapter 9 and 25 he says, Now my days are swifter than a post. They flee away, they see no good. And in chapter 14 verse 1 he says, Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. See, that's the picture. Limited by the brevity of life. Also limited by the uncertainty of life. We're well aware of what happened in March 2020. We never imagined that the whole of 2021 would be taken up with COVID-19 and its impact not only in the United Kingdom but all around the world. And now we're going into 2022. 
And I was thinking, what's the main lesson that we can learn even in light of COVID-19? And there's many lessons that we could talk tonight, which we're not going to do, about the um, mismanagement of the government and their failure to understand the true nature of this virus early on. We could talk about the misinformation that's about on the internet and the fear tactic that's been used by many. But what's the main lesson? The main lesson is this, that man is not in control of his own destiny. The Lord is. And only the Lord is sovereign. And only the Lord is in control. And we face, even in the threshold of a new year, an uncertain future. With all the uncertain events that are going to seize hold upon us. And uncertain events that are going to unfold. We even face the uncertainty of tomorrow. The Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. You see, I believe that God has a plan tonight. And God has a a purpose for everything. And everything is under his sovereign control. And even life itself, and here's a fact, life is uncertain. And we should live to expect the unexpected. And I would even suggest that in the spring or summer of this year, even expect COVID-19 to crash and be gone. Limited by the uncertainty of life. Limited also by the expiry of life. We're familiar with expiry dates. Food products, milk, meat, cheese. But each of us has an expiry date put upon us. We can't see it and we don't know it. But listen to what Samuel the prophet says in 2 Samuel 14 and 14. For we must needs die. And are as water spilt on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. Neither does God respect any persons, yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. Remember what Paul says in Hebrews 9 and 27. And as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. See, one day will die. That's a very morbid thought. One day this life that we know it, that we have enjoyed, we will know it no more, will be taken from this scene of time. And there'll be no coming back. There'll be no second chance. We're not here to stay. I remember visiting a woman in Ballymena, and that's the plaque that she had in her house. It was written in Latin. I didn't know Latin. I didn't know what it meant. So I happened to ask her as I rang the doorbell, and she answered. And she meant, she said to me, well, it means I'm not here to stay. And that's a tremendous truth. The reality of a day of limitation. It's limited by frailty. It's limited by brevity. It's limited by uncertainty. It's limited by this expiring. Notice also here in the text, there's a request for a day of learning. He says, if you look again, so teach us to number our days. Think of the words, teach us. Ponder these words. What do they mean? I've asked myself, How can we really number our days? We don't know the number of our days. Barzillai, how long have I to live? David couldn't answer because he didn't know. We don't know from the day of our birth, for we didn't choose, God chose it. And we don't know the exact day of our death. We haven't chosen it. 
We don't know when or the end will come. Here's a question the king couldn't answer because he didn't know the answer. Only the Lord knows. So, so when he says, teach us to number our days, what does that actually mean? I believe here that what Moses is praying about is this. Teach us to consider our days. In other words, help us to think about them carefully, not lightly, but considerately. Because life is fragile, brief, uncertain, and one day it will expire and will be gone out into eternity. And it's important to think. It's important to meditate, to weigh very carefully the whole journey of life of why we were here. Who am I? We're creatures made in the image of God. We're alive and dependent on the Lord. In him we move and live in a being. Why am I here? Well, God has put me here. What is my chief purpose in being here? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're designed to glorify God and enjoy him. And in this day of learning, as we pray, teach us. Think of this day. A literal 24-hour day. If we multiply it by 60 minutes, we've got 1,440. If we multiply it by a further 60 seconds, in each minute we've got 86,400 seconds. Now imagine having 86,400 pounds to spend every day. Suppose the bank manager called you in and says, I'm donating this sum of money to you. There's only two things that I'm going to put conditionally upon it. You use it all during the one-day period, or you lose it. There's no rollover. How would we spend 86400 You might say, well, no bother. Other people might have bothered. But suppose then the bank manager said there's another catch. Not only do you use it all or lose it, but you're fully accountable to me as the bank manager how you spend it. And if you spend it wrongfully or illegally, then I'm going to call you to account. And the full rigor of the law will be brought to bear upon you. Now think of our day. If we allow eight hours for sleep, eight hours for work, we've eight hours left. And how do we use those eight hours? Think of the teenagers. You know, they spend a lot of time daydreaming, don't they? Some time playing computer games or shooting games or watching the television. Other young people are involved in social events. You think of the time, sadly, many young people outside of Christ, and they spend the time, their spare time, drinking and doing drugs and rock and roll. What are they doing? They're wasting their life. They're wasting the precious seconds and the precious minutes and the precious hours that God had given them. They're spending their time in a life of mischief. John Calvin said, isn't it amazing that man can measure the distance between the earth and the moon, but can't really measure the passing of the days. And we need to consider our days because they're fragile, brief, uncertain. One day they'll expire. We, we, we have not long to stay. We have one day at a time. And not only do we need to consider our days, but we need to count them up. And isn't this a hard lesson to learn? Maybe you're here to me to, listening to me tonight and you're thinking, but my life doesn't really count for much. It doesn't add up for much. I want to tell you it does. I want to tell you you can make the greatest discovery ever as a young person because your life is special. 
Your life does count. And what you do with your life is worth it. You don't have to live in defeat and depression and despair. Have you heard of the man called William Carey? He was a great missionary to India. And let's remember to pray for our friends in India, especially those in Bangalore, Dr. Chelly and the whole of the Chelly family. But William Carey was a, a Baptist missionary. Life was hard, you know. It was difficult for him. He lost two wives. He buried two children. And he was heartbroken. And he married as a widower the third time. And he gave a very rare interview. He was a man of few words. People wanted to know about him in England. And he said, tell the folks in England this. I'm only an old cobbler. And I'm not very good at it. Especially at the start. When I made shoes in England. But with the Lord's help, I'm improved. And this is what he said. But even an old cobbler can make his life count for God. Young people, what are you doing with your life? There's seven days in a week. And each day we can learn precious life lessons. If we think of 168 hours in the week, it's amazing that the Lord only asks for a few hours. The 24 or the 168 hours that he's given us, one day for him. If we add eight hours for sleeping, eight hours for working, Time spent with the family, time spent eating, doing things together. How does your life count for the Lord? What kind of days? Days of salvation? Days of service? Days of supplication? Days of sanctification? Or are you in days of struggle with all the adversity and trial and trouble? Because none have been promised a, a trouble-free life. I want to tell you tonight, the Lord's eyes upon you. The Lord knows you. Let me remind you tonight that he says, For thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. You see, no, tonight you're a slave to sin. You're a sinner. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 51, Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Make your life count. Don't live a life of sin and rebellion. We're at the start of another year. It's only the second Lord's day. The Lord has been good. It's a new day. It's a day of blessing. You're alive. You've got health and strength. You've got food. You've got provision. You've got breath. You've got an opportunity to hear the gospel. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I say, if an old cobbler could say, by the grace of God, that he made his life count for God, then young people, don't waste your life. Don't live a life of rebellion. Don't forget the Lord. Don't forsake him. Don't live a life of misery and regret. Remember the rich farmer, Luke 12. God had been good to him. He had been blessed. God had prospered him. His, his mindset was this. Eat, drink, and tomorrow, for tomorrow you die. He built up his business. He pulled down his barns and he built bigger. And yet what did Jesus say? Thy fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. What could we say about that rich farmer? Well, we could say this. He lived a wasted life. Because his life didn't count for God. He thought more about gold than God. Thought more about his grain than God. Thought more about his barns than his Bible. He was deceived by sin. And how many young people are deceived by sin? Their life is not counting for God. I think of another young man, Robert Murray McShane. 
Robert Mary McShane was a Scottish Presbyterian minister out of Dundee, a, a godly young man, a, a young man who saw God work in Dundee, Dundee and, and that surrounding area in a remarkable way, over 500 converts in, in one particular year. Did you know there was typhoid fever in Dundee? And Robert Mary McShane, as a young man of 29 years of age, went to visit his parishioners. Sadly, he too caught typhoid fever. He couldn't recover from it, and in three days, that fever had taken him in death out into God's eternity, and yet he left a godly influence. And we're still talking about him, and, and we're talking about his prayers, and we're reading his work, and we're, 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 we're influenced by his sermons. He made his life, short as it was, count for God. I, I want to say to you young people, here's a request, teach us, a request for a day of learning. And one final thing, the reason for a day of life. If you look at the text, what does it say? That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. If I ask tonight, why did Jesus Christ come into the world? We can answer it simple. I am come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. What's the greatest day in your life? You might think, oh, it's the day of my birth. You might think, well, it's the day I got married. You might think, well, no, wait a minute. It's the day I got my first car. The day I got my first pet, the day I got my first house, the day that the first child came into the family or, or the first grandchild arrived. And these are all days that are full of gladness and full of joy. But what's the greatest day? The greatest day is this, when you discovered the wisdom of God, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The principal thing to get in life's journey is wisdom. And true wisdom, of course, directs us to Christ. Because Christ has made unto us the wisdom of God. In fact, Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is true wisdom personified. The wisdom is a person. And we could take out the word wisdom that we may apply our hearts unto Christ. Think of the hymn we've just sung, Christ for me. I'm not talking about mere intellectual wisdom or educational wisdom or medicinal wisdom. Those are all fine areas of wisdom, but they stand in significance in comparison to the wisdom of God in Christ. See, there's two types of people in the world, people that are wise there's a people that are foolish. There's a wisdom of the world. Many are following it. And there's a wisdom of the word. And those foolish don't apply their hearts unto wisdom. Those that are foolish reject true wisdom. They refuse true wisdom. They, they, they fail to recognize that Christ has made unto us the wisdom of God. How many tonight are learning, increasing in knowledge. And yet what do they never do? They never come to a knowledge of the truth. Here's the reason for a day of life. That we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And in the very threshold of this year. If you're looking for life. Life with a capital L. Life that has meaning and purpose. Life to the full. Then I would say to you. Discover the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is Christ. Discover Christ in all the person of his work. And that will be the reason 
for the day of your life. Here's days that teach. Remember, there's a day of limitation. Remember, there's a request for a day of learning. Teach me. Help me to consider my days. Help me to make them count for God. And here's the reason. There's a day of life. And that life is in Christ. And I say this as I finish. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And all things have passed away. And all things have become new. And all things are of God. Isn't that what we want to discover? And our young people to discover? Young people to step forward. Older people. Regardless of age, to say Christ for me. If Christ is the wisdom of God, then let's go to Christ. Because the principal thing is to have wisdom.